Episode 53 Back to Earth Part 1 Original Air Date 10th of April 2009 Hello and welcome to Scuttercast 53. This week I'm joined by Anthony. Hello. And Andy. Hello. We'll be reviewing the episode Back to Earth Part 1 after a quick synopsis read by Anthony. Lister's busy day of annoying Rimmer is interrupted by a monstrous attack when a giant squid is found residing in the ship's water tank. It's pretty much business as usual until a shock development throws Rimmer, Lister, Cat and Crichton back to planet Earth and Rimmer's presence amongst the crew is threatened by the arrival of a new hologram in the form of Katerina. Just before we start the episode review, you've just got a few things to say, Anthony. Yeah, um... The first we knew of Red Dwarf returning to our screens was from a TV appearance by Robert Llewellyn. Yeah. Uh, this was in Seattle back in August of 2008, uh, where he claimed that BBC Worldwide had joined with another party to invest in 72 minutes of new Red Dwarf uh, to be filmed in early 2009. Um, this was later confirmed by Grant Naylor Productions, who said it had been on the card since February 2008. Um, it transpired that UK TV channel Dave would broadcast the episodes to celebrate Red Dwarf's 21st anniversary. Uh, this was an attempt by Dave to air original content instead of repeats from other channels. Yeah. In January 2009, the title Back to Earth was announced and we were told that it was going to be a two-parter along with a making of episode and a fourth episode which would be called Red Dwarf Unplugged. Um, now, the Red Dwarf Unplugged was described by Craig Charles as being the four of us and some cheers trying to remember classic scenes. Um, but on February the 20th, the Unplugged was officially announced by Robert's Twitter feed, <laughs> as official as that is, yeah. as a no-go. <laughs> uh, Back to Earth had basically turned into a three-parter. Um, if memory serves me right, I think this was down to the cost reasons. Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean broadcast in uh, April it was actually February the 20th before you know we got word that it was actually going to be a three-parter not a two-parter yeah yeah cool the first scene starts and you have on the screen say nine years later yeah now Doug says in the commentary Doug Naylor says in the commentary that um, the time restraints that they'd got um, caused him to basically ignore the Series 8 cliffhanger. Yeah, um, sure. He says um, he basically got a choice. Either we address it now um, or we leave it for now and get back to it later. So um, basically there, was too, there wasn't enough time you know, to waste on finishing it off, so it was decided to leave it till later. So I'm assuming from that that we will actually get a resolve for Series yeah, 8 yeah. at some point. Yep, there's a nice CG model of Red Dwarf. Uh, obviously, a lot of the stuff we were mentioning here we will have mentioned nearly two years ago now, but hopefully slightly better. <laughs> um, so yeah, we've got a nice model of Red Dwarf, and it zooms into Lister on a corridor. Yeah, it's, it's the it's, it's the opposite of what we've had in the past. We've always had the yeah. close-up shot which pans out. Yeah, you know, and this is the reversal. The eight, you know, we're already panned out, and we zoom in onto it. Yeah, uh, we've got Lister, who is actually wearing his Series Three jacket, which um, fits him perfectly. Something he brags about on the um, second making of video <laughs> is the fact that he, he managed to fit straight into this jacket from, you know, years previous. Yeah. Um, the Red Dwarf CGI model that's used is actually the Series Eight version. 
um, but it's been uh, shortened. Um, yeah, they, yeah. They wanted to use some of the original shots from the first model from the series one. Okay. This is the one which jumped off the shelf. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but they couldn't find the old uh, footage of it, so uh, they ended up yeah using the series eight, but shortening it to um, so we've not got the pencil design. Sure, Lister. I don't know. He's walking down the corridor with. The- um, saying this is going to be great, and it does sound almost deranged. Uh, I remember watching it for the first time, thinking, "Has he just lost it over the last nine years or something?" <laughs> uh, we find out Crichton's been on holiday as well, and he's been to B deck. I think I said this before, but uh, you can really tell that Lister's acting has changed, and Coronation yeah. Street's definitely changed his accent a hell of a lot. Yeah, agreed. He's got I don't know. No, it, it, more facial as well, more facial expressions. It seems. Yeah. I'm, well, I think over the past couple of well, obviously he he's not just been sat with his thumb up his butt for the, <laughs> since the last Red Dwarf, and I, I think he has really come on well. Yeah, Lister has gone uh, two hundred floors down just to get some tomatoes, even though he doesn't like them. This was for the whole gag of ironing snot. Which <laughs> was quite disgusting, and the squelching does still. I was like, ah, that's disgusting, but it's very effective. Yeah, it's um, this is one of those gags that I think drags on for too long. Agreed. Uh, I yeah, still think yeah. it does. Um, the, you know, there's too much to it. All the laughing down the corridors beforehand, and the when he gets into the room, the looks is given to Rimmer. Yeah, yeah. Um, now Rimmer's outfit when we uh, when we get through to Rimmer it's uh, based on his um, earlier outfits uh, they, they wanted to go with a, a series 7 series 8 style uh, padded jacket yeah but they realized that that just made him look too podgy um, okay. so they went for this uh, earlier series based one um, it originally didn't have the badge on it as well it originally got a series 1 name tag on it okay um, and I think some of the very first shots that it seems that was shot uh, actually had it in uh, but it was decided that something wasn't right something was missing and so they reintroduced the old badge which if memory serves correctly wasn't that the hat badge from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy if I remember rightly that rings a bell I think, um, it, well, I think it was an upside down uh, badge off a hat that was used in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy okay doke the next scene starts and the scutter is putting up a photo. I still don't like these CGI scutters that we've got. Agreed, um, yeah. I know why they've done it, but um, they look too shiny. They almost look like they're made out of liquid. You know, yeah, yeah. shiny, shimmering liquid. Um, now, they actually used Danny John Jules's arm with a sock on it to fill okay. in for the scutter's head. Right, until okay. the post-prediction could come in and put the actual scutter's head, stroke claw over the arm and you know take out ah. the, take out his arm but yeah the all the motions all the movement of the scutter's head is actually it was originally Danny John Jules arm with a sock on it ah, that's <laughs> kind of cool which, which may have looked better than the CGI <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> here you've got Lister in a tux and it, it looks like he's coming out of the shower or I should say he's coming from that general direction in the old rooms yeah that's where the shower yeah. <laughs> to the right of the bed yeah he just kind of moseyed out in that um now, he leaves and the doors um, close behind him, but they, they they somehow slam shut and they slam shut enough to knock the photo. I mean, surely they shouldn't do that? You wouldn't expect it, would you? 
No. Really. Because all, well, they're all essence of doors, aren't they, by the sounds of it all? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you wouldn't get lift doors here just slamming away, would you? No. I like the doors have took a disliking to Rimmer. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, yeah. I like how the uh, scutter laughs at Rimmer's misfortune here, even though the scutter's doing all the work. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I just stopped. This is the first four-walled set we've got on Red Dwarf as well. That we've ever oh, had. okay. And apparently this is something you can tell I've been watching the making of documentaries and yes. the commentaries. <laughs> Very um, it's something Doug wanted to try and do, um, even if they had got an audience. He was looking at ways of making it work, so they've got a four-walled set. Um, the walls and the doors and the crates and what have you that are actually used for these four walls are then... Take, taken apart and they're used for some of the other sets, some of the corridor scenes and stuff okay. like that. Cool. The next scene starts and Lister spends some time in front of a grave. And the grave's got the inscription on it, to those that we have lost in our hearts forever. There are a number of photo frames at the footer of it and one of those contains Kachansky. Lister reads a Jane Austen novel for her and a, a Again, I know we've already brought this up once, but um, he didn't know who Jane Austen was, even though they had um, Jane Austen Wills in Sentences, um, sorry, um, in Beyond a Joke. And then he sat there reading, and all of a sudden there's some drips, and the cat pops out. Yeah, I mean, this is, it's a fantastic looking scene, this one. Yeah, you know, the, yeah. Um, you, you've got the, basically they performed it on just an open wooden floor. Yeah. Um, but... They put it in with the computer afterwards so that it was actually on like a glass bubble on the side That's of the right, red yeah. dwarf. Yeah. And it's such a fantastic looking shot. Um, I do especially agree, yeah. the distance shot with him, you know, stood in front of the grave. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, this is actually the first studio scene that was shot for Back to Earth. Okay. Um, not the first thing they'd filmed at all, but it was the first first thing they filmed once they got back to the Shepperton Studios, which okay. uh, same studios that have been home to Red Dwarf since 1991. The next scene starts and the cat is explaining that the water tank in G-Deck has got a big tentacle in it. Testicle. I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Confused there, wasn't it? Yeah. I think Cat's still got the, the part down to a T. I think his voice Agreed, and the yeah. was very yeah. well done. It, not much has changed, if you know what I mean. It's like he studied his role a little bit and yeah, got yeah. back into character. Yeah, Agreed. Crichton's back from his holidays and he's in very much high spirits. Um, but as soon as they start explaining about the running out of water and there's a big tentacle on G-Deck, he, he's back to neurotic Crichton. <laughs> Don't take him long. No. Um, well, he's sporting here the, the latest outfit. Um, obviously, these Crichton outfits have been getting more comfortable as each series went on. Yeah. Um, now, this one took between an hour and a half and an hour and three quarters to apply. Okay. Um, the very first suit that he wore was um, six hours to get into it. Wow. Although, in fairness, um, they could have spent a bit more time on his eye makeup because it looks quite <laughs> wrinkled in the eye department. Um, now, the whole reason that Crichton starts off this series on holiday yeah. is because Robert wasn't going to be available for the first week of filming. Um, now... Doug, he actually, I think it was on the commentary, he's quite, he says, uh, annoyingly, this changed and he was available after the scripts had been written. So wow. Doug's okay. gone out of his way to try and make allowances for um, Crichton 
uh, being, you know, for Crichton not being there. And then yeah, again, yeah. actually, I can be here. Oh, wrote it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rumour suggests that they um, have to blast it. And he gives them all the instructions. He says, right, we need to do this, we need to do that. He says, and I'll watch from a distance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah, a, a very typical Rumour. The next scene starts and they're in the diving bell. Well, all apart from Rimmer, that is. I'd forgotten here just how tight the cat suit was. <laughs> I was like, ooh, okay. <laughs> well, it's like the pink lilac suit and it's got the bell-bottom trousers that uh, yeah. they, they like flare out from the knees. That's right, um, yeah. Now, they were actually a request by Doug who had been in, been dragged along to see uh, Mamma Mia. And okay. he actually took... Um, he was influenced by the outfits worn in that, and he really liked these bell-bottom trousers, you know, that were skin tight and then flared out from the knees. Uh, so um. that's uh, that's where it came from. Um, oh, okay. Now the original idea was that all three were going to be in the diving suits, the same style as the ones Lister's wearing. Right. But okay. The confined space and the size of the suits led to a rethink. That's how we ended up with the. Yeah, Crichton in water wings, cat in yeah. suit. Obviously, Lister kept the diving suit. Yeah, I'm not sure I like to. I, I think, I mean, as we've gone through, we're, we've really praised Chris Barry for his acting. In this, though, I just don't think he did it justice. He was kind of, um, I don't know. He was playing the, yeah, I'm not interested in what you're doing, and I, I don't know. I just think he he overacted. It. He kind of screwed his nose, but like, yeah, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, normally, there was something it, about it that got me. Yeah, he doesn't normally do it, does he? He normally, he's normally quite attentive in it, in that sense. Yeah. I can understand it if he was just sat back reading his magazine, but when he, you know, when he goes into his whole dance routine. Yeah. Um, that, to me, didn't see it. I mean, we've seen him do something similar in, um, uh, you know, when he stole uh, Lister's body. Yes, but yes, there yes. He was on his own, racing away, and yeah, you know the music blaring out. Um, it doesn't really strike me as the sort of thing he'd have done there. It, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think if he'd have just sat back reading the magazine and not noticed, that would have been different. Uh, yeah, possibly, possibly yeah. more to character. Yeah, I, th- I think more on the rim on the rim side. I think uh, if he didn't play the music, he just fainted and then woke up later. That's the sort of thing that Rimmer do. Yeah, possibly. Or panic pass out, sort of thing. Uh, I mean... Sorry, Crichton says he changes his eyes here. But you never see him do it, do you? Yeah, it's... Well, before that, you've got the line from Rimmer saying there's something bigger than God heading towards them on the sonar, which I thought was a brilliant line. And then, yeah, Crichton says, well, I've changed my eyes twice, three times or something, and I still can't see anything. Um, Again, it's just a punchline. Um... Which, again, is a bit iffy. As well as being iffy, there's the... says, come on, Remy, you need to do something. He's like, I'm too scared, look at me. And he's got his hands cramped up and stuff. I was like, this whole scene, I don't know, it just grates on me. I don't know why, I don't know why, but I just don't think it's right. It does seem a very odd thing to do. Yeah. This thing bigger than God then disappears. And Rimmer all of a sudden goes from very scared to just very chilled. He's got his music on, as you just mentioned, and he's sat there dancing in the way. And I thought, you've just gone from allegedly petrified <laughs> to often very chilled <laughs> mm. I don't know at this point they get attacked by the tentacle and obviously Rimmer he can't hear them well we get the um, 
there's the opening shot of the squid attack. Yeah. Which I always thought was a CGI, some sort of computer-generated squid that flies mm. towards the camera, tentacles spread, you know, yeah. tentacle first. Um, it, it's actually, um, I can't remember if it was the making of or the document or the commentary. Um, it's actual real stock footage of a squid. Oh, wow. You know, the, mm. the it has been touched up slightly by the effects team, but that is a genuine live squid um, swimming towards a camera. Um, <laughs> and as it attacks, you get the tentacles come up through the bottom of the uh, That's diving right, yeah. There's a blaster shot, right, uh, sound. I mean, we don't actually see anything. Whether it was something that was going to put in in post-production or not, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but there's a sound of a blaster shot and then the ricocheting. And I'm yeah. sure it's the same sound effect from um, Star Wars from the garbage chute. Ah, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, when Han fires the yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, blaster down there. Uh, and then, I mean, going off topic here, but that reminded me of something um, I was told about the other day, mm. um, which is the noise at the start of Red Dwarf, um, the series three, three onwards theme music. Yeah. Right. There's a, there's a, a weird sort of, um, like, sound effect that comes on just, um, just as the theme music starts. And it's the same noise, and I've checked this, it is the identical noise that um, plays when Luke crashes his X-Wing into the swamp on Dagobah in Empire Strikes Back. Okay. And it's it's one of those, somebody told me about it, and straight away when he told me, I thought, oh, I know what you're on about. It's not until I checked it back, and it's it, it's not just a similar noise, it is the same noise. Oh, wow. Um, I'll have okay. to post the, I've got the uh, pages, the YouTube pages with the clips on bookmarks. I'll have to remember to stick that on the um, show notes for anybody yeah, yeah. that's interested. Yeah, please do. Here, the CG tentacle was okay, but the plastic one, uh, it was just very slapstick. Uh, I thought that was, <laughs> it was so much better that I should have just stuck with that one. It's... Um the real ten- tentacles it was it showed you actually making them um, mm. on the documentary and uh, basically they've just got the mold and they just paint the inside with silicon and then fill it with foam and then when you take the mold off you've literally got this um, silicon filled with foam tentacle that's just ready for painting up Oh, cool. I think Robert Llewellyn says that they're really heavy as well. And right. Although I sat watching it, I'm thinking the CGI doesn't look as effective as like the real tentacles. I yeah. do think they need the CGI ones in there to give the um, the frantic movement um, of the tentacles within the uh, diving bell. Yeah, I guess. You know, I do. I do think it would have suffered if they hadn't been in there. Yeah, yeah. Rimmer here comes to the rescue and basically just drags them out of there. If they're being attacked, he's seen them on the screen, why is he not then gone all scared again? I mean, surely that's a lot more horrific than just something on the sonar. I think I think he's going to get a medal, you know, because he says he doesn't think I should get a medal for this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's just his overinflated ego there, isn't it? Yeah. The next scene starts, and they are saved, both the soaking and the covering goo. Lister throws one of the tentacles at Rimmer, which also covers him in goo. Uh, Crichton suggests that it's a dimension-migrating leviathan. We then see a large glow leave the water, and then Katrina appears between them all. Now, this is Sophie Winkleman, who, isn't it? Yeah. Who, um, at the time when it was announced she was going to be in the show, um, it was advertised as being the... The person who played the character Big Suze in Peep Show. 
Mm. Um, now, I'd never seen Peep Show, and I still haven't, so I'm still none the wiser. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I had a look on the um, IMDb, and I think the thing I recognised most that I'd probably seen her in was the uh, Disney's Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and she played the adult version of Susan in um, that. Oh, okay. Okay. She's the Red Dwarf science officer, which makes her the highest ranking officer on board, which um, that's because Rimmer is a bit crap. Um, they did the <laughs> Now, I don't know why, but the first time I watched this, um, I, I think he may even mention it on the podcast. I thought it was a horrible gag. This time it actually was funny. I don't know why. It was really strange because I actually giggled to myself <laughs> watching it. Basically, this big red calculator um, confirms it. Which is the size scan, is it? I think. Well, I yeah. It, well, I don't know. It just looked like a red calculator. So. <laughs> Her mission is to get Lister back to repopulate the human race. Which well, he's, got, he's got to bring a human. She's got to get him back to Earth so he can pick a human up and then bring him back with him to repopulate this universe is what she says yeah which struck me as a oh i didn't realize that's what the plan was i thought the plan was to get him back to earth and that was it yeah but now it's all about keeping the human race going in this um in this timeline this universe and so yeah he's going to go back in time supposedly to earth and bring a human back with him i think again i don't think these um dimensions are lining up properly i mean only the good. It was out by a good hour. <laughs> this yeah. one is out by three million years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, one thing you take from this is Sophie Winkleman. She's amazingly good at accents. Yeah. You know, she obviously she speaks with the um, Russian accent in this, which is fantastic. But mm. um, the other actors uh, that, you know, worked on the show, they were commenting on uh, Scouse accents she does and all the other accents she does. And apparently it's just something she can turn off and on. It's just a natural ability she's got to be able to speak in a, well, to our ears, it sounds like a convincing accent. Whether, whether yeah, a yeah. Russian would agree with it or not, I don't know. But Yeah, I true. Think, I think every time she does a Russian accent, it always reminds me that I never finished uh, Command and Conquer Red Alert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. The next scene starts, and Catalina asks why the mainframe isn't running. Basically, where's Holly? Lister apparently left the bath running for nine years, and two million gallons of water fell through the ship. Um, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, okay. I liked the, um... Because I think everybody was asking the question here of how's the computer supporting um, two holograms. And Rimmer even asked the question, is it... It says, how does the computer support two holograms? I thought it could only support one. And then they just t- changed the conversation. I thought that was very cleverly done. If she actually stays away from the question. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, watching it with, with hindsight, it's very clever the way he asks it. She still changes the subject. He goes to return to the question and she, you know, I think yeah. initially when you watch it, you think it's just her being efficiently abrupt and not bothered about insignificant stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, there's definitely the agenda there. You know, she is definitely part of this hallucination and she's steering attention away from anything that might undo the, you know, break the um, fantasy. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I did also think, though, I mean, if the mainframe computer was down, so if Holly was down, how is it supporting one hologram anyway? Never mind two. I think it's just the actual intelligence that's down, isn't it? It's the personality. Ah, oh, right, frame. okay. Um, <laughs> the actual 
automatic ship function, you know, the, the yeah, ship guess, functionality guess, yeah. still happens. You know, they've still got life support and, you know. Yeah, true. Uh, and as we saw in Thanks for the Memory, there's a massive um, hologram suite anyway, isn't there? So that doesn't really need a holly. Although having so, said that, we have had episodes where they've taken, you know, where they've lost holly and literally everything, not even the doors will open. Yeah, yeah. So, mm. <laughs> Yes. So, so who's driving Red Dwarf then? Um. <laughs> yeah, because Holly is the autopilot. Maybe yeah. they'll just point it in the directions and go. Or <laughs> for best. Yeah. She gives Rimmer a right roasting for not helping Rimmer. Um, it, she's suggesting that his sole function in life should be to make Lister happy. She gives, well, because of this, she gives Rimmer 24 hours to get his affairs in order. Then she's going to delete him and basically take his back up and everything and just fire them off into space. <laughs> she really does find him a bit crap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I thought, well, yeah, but I mean, if, if that's the case, if, if they're going to get rid of him, surely they should get rid of all other holograms as well? Well, yeah. Oh, you mean the actual nuking his, um, his personality disc? Yeah. Never to return. Yeah, yeah, it does seem a bit uh, extreme, that, don't it? Yeah. It's, um, I mean, if the ship is sustaining two holograms... You'd keep two holograms online. Yes, agreed. You would, you know, you you wouldn't get rid of one just for the sake of getting rid of one, as she suggests here. But yeah, I mm. think in one of the episodes it does mention that they can run two holograms. It just it halves the lifetime or the lifespan of the uh, what they can, you know. I know in this me, is travel, s- it? in me squared the well confidence and paranoia. I think is where they first uh, come up with the suggestion. Yeah. Um, they discover that if they can um, switch off all the unnecessary ship functions, um, yeah. Holly can sustain two holograms. But this is back when it was the soft light holograms. And uh, Rimmer does actually say here, I didn't think Holly, uh, Holly uh, I didn't think Red Dwarf could support two hard light holograms because she's obviously uh, okay. hard light as well. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I think um, we basically return to only one hologram being, you know, sustainable because yeah. of the hard light factor. Yeah, yeah. The next scene starts, and there's a good external of the ship. Rimmer's basically complaining to Crichton about uh, Catalina, and he wants Crichton to get some dirt on her. Here you've got the very similar he's behind you type scene, as they had in Pete Part 2 with Hollister. Um, It's a very similar thing. I don't know. Um, maybe it's, because we've watched them so close together, the episodes, it's just like, hang on, this get, this gang's very familiar. <laughs> yeah, bearing in mind that was ten years previous. <laughs> yes, yeah, agreed. <laughs> the next scene starts, and Kathleen explains how she's going to get Lister home. She gives the long-winded statement, but basically, a dimension cutter. Go to the dimension, get a mate, repopulate human race. Yeah, well, they're going to use the actual... Um, the squid remains, aren't they? Yes. Um, because it's a dimension ju- uh, jumping squid, they can use the um, research, in, you know, the actual DNA structure and find out how it's jumping dimensions and convert a, um, a bazookoid, bazookoid and so on and so forth, yeah. Yeah, which he says, ah, oh, exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I like, Going back a bit, I like the scene where um, she's on about... Uh, 
where it places mess where is what is mech been up to or you know where is mech and he says um oh he's just been on holiday to the broom cupboard uh, my suggestion actually trying to make out that he's the good guy yes yeah. he mechs don't go on holiday you know he's a machine <laughs> and he goes that's what i said <laughs> totally <laughs> contradicts what he just said before <laughs> yeah yeah bless him yeah he said this before aren't he but uh she's going to find a mate to come back to start the human race three million years later this so is where she says it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she's, they come back into deep space. So how is it, how is it, if he brings back one mate, how is he going to populate the human race? Well, wrong. what they do, right? They, you get a man and a woman. Yeah, go on. <laughs> you know yeah, how you, you know how you got Ruby. I, I know, you got I know where I'm going. Yeah, explain it then, Darren. Yeah, keep going. They have kids. They have kids, and then what happens? Um, well, I think three million years into space, they've got their own laws. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, in three and a half million years in the future, humans will have webbed fingers. <laughs> yeah. See, that's why the Bible doesn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> the next scene starts and you've got Catalina and she's working in a lab and it, it's very very CSI um, you just got all the classy music and the close ups and everything like that yeah well the, the this is actually the first piece of filming that she did um, that Sophie Winkleman did for Red Dwarf oh okay um, and yeah, her opening scene—the first bit she was filming was um, the bit where she's extracting the um, the tissue from the uh, squid tentacle. Okay. And they actually use real fush uh, fush quits, real <laughs> disgust. Right. Right. And she says it absolutely smelt disgusting, made her feel sick, and she's there, uh, you know. And she thought, great, what a way to start, you know, <laughs> start a show. Lovely. <laughs> The final scene starts, and they're back in the cargo bay. She's turned the bazooka into a dimension cutter. Uh, I think the dimension cutter, cut, dimension cutter, the bazooka, it looks something like the Iron Man film. Yeah, it does, yeah. Very futuristic and... It looks like Stark should have it in his lab. <laughs> yeah. Lister, again here, has his guitar with him because he's going to go through the, the portal. So which guitar is this? <laughs> I, well, I guess if it has been nine years and for some reason all the crew are dead, there's bound to be another guitar on board, I guess. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> his, his other one's got water damaged. Yeah. Uh, the bazookoid fires and this swirly thing appears. And this is where it goes to uh, to be continued. Right, that's episode review done. Next, the scores. Now... I knew, uh, to be honest, I didn't look back at the previous podcast that we did on Back to Earth. I didn't want it to affect how I scored this. I don't know why. Um, I, I think it's maybe because we've watched all the episodes um, one after another now. And we're so used to the Series 7, Series 8 stuff. It's all fresh in my head that this was actually quite good. I did I did really enjoy it. The, the jokes actually made me laugh. And nothing bothered me at all. I, I think when it was originally aired, I, you obviously have all the good episodes in your head of, of, of this is Red Dwarf. And, and I think because we're, now we've seen them all and now we've overanalyzed them all, it's just like, well, this is actually up to standard. And it, it's it's on par with season seven, season eight. Um, so for that, I'll give it an eight out of ten. Anthony? Yeah, um, I've gone for seven out of ten. 
Okay. All right. I always said that this episode suffers from um, pacing issues. Yeah, I agree. All right. Um, I now realise it isn't set at the wrong pace. Yeah. All right. It, as, you know, it all works fine as a single entity, not as a three-parter, as a thing you know as a single entity mm. and it isn't that it's at um the wrong pace it's just that it's at a different pace to the classic tv series yeah it sure. isn't what we're used to yeah. you know this was an easter special it came back it was um you know 21 years since the start of red dwarf um they returned uh doug does say on one of the makings of or on the commentary or somewhere that he as far as he's concerned it isn't three episodes it's one piece of work right and, okay yeah it works brilliantly um as far as i'm concerned now um it isn't that the pacing's wrong it's just that it's different and it's not what we're used to yeah um, sure. now i've had time to get used to that and you know i can see it for what it is yeah um you know, when you look, you look at it as, uh, you know, when you take into account all the last minute changes, you know, it was going to be a two-part until literally a couple of months before, mm. you know, uh, I've got more to say about that on the next episode we do or possibly the one after it, but it's yeah. a miracle that these episodes are anywhere near as good as they are. Yeah, you know, sure. the time frame they'd got, the time scale they'd got to actually put this thing together was unbelievably short. Yeah. Um, now, I can see why some people aren't as keen on them, you know, with the different pace and the different feel. Mm. Right? But as far as I'm concerned, Back to Earth does not warrant the slating that some people give it online. Yeah, you know, sure. you, you've, I quite often come across comments from people that are saying, shouldn't have bothered, they should have left it. Um, no, no, you're looking at it wrong. You're looking at it expecting three Red Dwarf episodes or one long Red Dwarf episode. It isn't. This is something totally different. Um, yeah. And also, I go along with what you said, Darren. You know, we've been watching Series 7, Series 8. Um, as far as I'm concerned, this is better than Series 7. This is better than Series 8. Mm-hmm. Um, is it as good as, you know, Series 6 and anything that went previous to Series 6? Possibly not. Um, yeah. Possibly not. But, you know, they, that was Red Dwarf in its heyday. And um, yeah. this is just a big improvement. In fact, I listened to the Dwarf Cast uh, commentary, and yeah. that's something they pointed out. From where we got left with Series Seven and Series Eight, this is a big, huge, massive step in the right direction. Yeah, agreed. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I go with that. I mean, I've only given it seven out of ten. I ummed and ahmed. The first thing I typed in was eight, and yeah. I thought, now I'm going to, you know, I'll I'll stick with seven. It's a high seven, but it's a seven. Cool. And Andy. Uh, yeah, I give it 7 out of 10. I'm still not 100% sure about this episode. Uh, okay. I think it was pretty fast-paced. Uh, it, did, it went. The time went by pr- pretty quick. I agree. Uh, it was only uh, 22 minutes long, though. I was going to say, don't forget, yeah. it's nearly oh, yeah. six, seven minutes shorter. Yeah. Uh, I think the acting... <laughs> The acting threw me a little bit. I know they've uh, they've all developed the skills and you know they've all come along in in different ways, but it seems that a lot they've changed quite a bit. If you mm, know, mm. Uh, the way they are. But, so, okay. Yeah, well, seven out of ten. <laughs> okay. Well, that's an eight from me, um, seven from you, and seven from you. And there was just one lonely post on the forum, just saying five. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody admitted to it or anything. Just five. I was going to say, who's that from? I don't know. Parallel uh, universe. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> which gives us a grand total of 67.5%, which isn't bad at all, not compared to what we initially thought two years ago. 
I think it's a bit low for what it deserves. Mm. But having said that, I think, you know, if you scored the whole thing as a single entity, mm. I think individual episodes are going to get low scores compared to if you were to view the whole thing um, in the director's cut. Yeah, agreed. The next section's What's Going Down in Groovetown after a quick advertisement from Nova Babylonia. Sheridan here. Go ahead. Follow Commander David Sheridan as the Babylon 5 story is continued. Do you know how much we trust you? It's less than you imagine. With old friends. Always sleep with a knife under your pillow, eh? New enemies. The half human, half minbarium bombers. Just like me. It's time for Novo Babylonia. There is talk of a super weapon. Join the audio adventure. Left behind by the shadows. Novo-B.com. All right, dudes. What's going down in Groovetown, then? Groovetown. Over to you, Anthony. Yeah, um... Not a lot, to be honest with you. Um, the official site now has images of the Crichton costume up. Um, you know, we said they were releasing the uh, um, the dressing up costumes. That's right, yeah. yeah. The, the, the pictures were up for Cat, for Lister, and for Rimmer. Yeah. Uh, we've now got the first shots up of the Crichton costume. Uh, oh, okay. There isn't a picture of anybody actually wearing the outfits. You know, you've got a picture of the mask and a picture of the body piece. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I think it's more of a diagram of the body, not so much of a photo. Yeah, no picture. it looked more of... Yeah, that's right. Um, so, yeah, it could be great. Uh, I suspect it won't be. i tell you what it reminds me of. Um, you know how the <laughs> Marilyn Monroe um, robot looks yes. <laughs> a little bit like Marilyn Monroe, uh, but slightly more stocky. <laughs> I've yes. got a feeling that this is going to look... A bit like Crichton, but a bit more stocky. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> until we see a photo of somebody actually wearing the outfit, we won't know. But um, pictures are on the show note. There's the link to the uh, actual story. But if you go to the um, www.reddwarf.co.uk, and it's uh, it's on the news feed on there. Excellent. I'll just look at the picture there. Do they put makeup on the mask? <laughs> I don't know. Cause, no, because it, it, the mask makes it look really old. It's like they've aged... Crichton, if you know what I mean. Mm. It's got creases, smile lines, and stuff. Oh, you don't know, we've seen it no more. Mm. I'd just like to say a big thanks to between this, uh, well, this episode and the previous episode, we got an influx of emails. Denim Cowboy, uh, Rosie, uh, the Cuban one, and Ian, um, Ian, who used to be on the podcast. Uh, just, just big thank you. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to go through the details and stuff like that, but it's nice to know people are listening. Um, I, I forward them onto the lads and. Um, they were well timed as well. Um, I think they all popped in just for the weekend, so it was just like, oh wow, look at this! People are listening. <laughs> so yeah, just thank you very much for that. And finally, unless you've been living under a rock, you'll know it's Dimension Jump in uh, two weekends' time. So eighth, ninth, and tenth. Um, as we discussed before, we can't make it, but I know a lot of you are. So we're assuming that there's going to be something more official on the episodes. So if you do get anything like that, drop us a tweet or drop us an email and uh, we'll get them put up on the site. We'd offer, we'd offer you a prize if you're the first one to give us some news, but we've got no to give you. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the Parrot Spa. The place you can drink a curry-flavoured tequila slammer that burns on the way in and on the way out. Parrot Spa. Over to you, Anthony. Yeah, just, uh, yeah, just a couple of things. Um, I've changed departments at work 
Mm. All right, which means that I'm spending uh, less time on the machines than I was. I'm having to cover a bit on the weighbridges and um, out on the forklift and what have you. There's no radio in the machine, so I've got a. My iPod doesn't last very long at all, so I've got like uh, a pack that plugs into the bottom with which takes four AA batteries. So I, you know, I've got my iPod with me all day, but I'm only allowed to wear one headphone because I'm out on the floor a lot because I'm yeah, in the sure. office a lot. Um, and if it's in a, la- a noisy environment, it's a case of um, not being able to hear anything. Because iPod, the worst thing about iPods, especially European iPods, is that the sound is set up to too low a volume, as far as I'm concerned. You can't, mm-hmm. can't hear anything. Um, basically, what this means is that I'm struggling to get through my podcast subscriptions, which, as you know, I listen to an extensive, you know, a substantial amount of podcasts. Yeah. Um, what I've found really uh, handy to do, I know you can play audio books. Uh, you can set it to play at a faster rate. Okay. Um, and I, I've done it before with when I was working through some of the Star Wars novels, uh, some of the EU novels. Mm. Um, you know, set it at a faster rate, and literally after about half an hour of listening, you don't even notice. In fact. You know, you quite often you, you check in to think, is it playing faster? And, oh, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> um, so yeah. what I've done, I've gone in and um, I always create a playlist. Well, I've been converting of my podcast for the day. I've been converting them to changing the tags in the iTunes, changing the info so that um, they're actually saving them oh, as an audio book. Books. Okay. Uh, save them as an audio book. Um, giving them all the album title podcast playlist. Yeah, which basically that makes it easier to find to delete them once I've listened to them because obviously they're not auto deleting. Yeah, and yeah. Um, yeah, I've been playing them at the higher speed. Yeah, and literally, you first start listening, you think, "Oh bloody hell, that's fast." Um, <laughs> half hour later, you're thinking, "Has it gone back to normal speed?" And it's not yeah. until theme music starts that you actually realise that it is playing at higher speed, and your brain adjusts. You don't even notice. And so, yeah, I'm flying through. I'm getting about, uh, I think it's about 10 minutes an hour extra you get. Something oh, right. like okay. that, which doesn't sound a lot. But when you're just struggling to get through your playlist, it uh, yeah, makes yeah. a world of difference. So, uh, yeah, a little tip is something I've started doing. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, somebody else might find that convenient. Well, I know on um, on the iPod Touch and the iPhones and stuff like that, uh, there's quite simply a button that says two times on there. Uh, yeah. So you can do what you're doing, uh, but you just hit the screen and you take it up to two times or even take it down a half speed Yeah. if you'd want to do that for See, whatever I knew, reason. I knew you could do that because uh, yeah. I think it was Mike Featherstone. I don't know if he did a piece for Happy Times or he appeared on a waffle on or... Um, it's, it's a guy from the Treks in Sci-Fi forum that I know, and okay. I know he was the first one to mention it, you know, that on the um, touch you could do that. Yeah, and I can yeah. remember thinking, oh, pity you can't do it on the um, on the classic. Yeah, well, obviously sure. Obviously you can, but you have to convert it to an audiobook first. You have to, which is a simple enough task. You just yeah, yeah. Right-click it, info and you can convert to an audio book there. Yeah, um, yeah. Like I say, the worst thing is just actually having to manually delete every file once you've listened to it. Yeah, so sure. all I've done there is change the album track, the album title to podcast playlist, and that's it. You know, Bob's your uncle. Cool. Um, now, I went last weekend, I went to um, a christening 
Um, okay. It was my brother's children uh, that were being christened, and I'm now the godfather to all four of his sons. Okay. Right, um, now, as is usually the case, we've got to be there for 11 o'clock, and we yeah. get up, and oh, we've stayed in bed longer than we planned, and we're rushing. <laughs> and we've got to drive out to Sutton and Ashfield, which is... About 20, 30 minutes up the road, uh, race to get up there, gets to this church that we've never been to. The sat nav obviously wasn't charged, so <laughs> typing, you know, we're halfway there. And we're, is there enough charge to type in the postcode yet? Yeah, no, right, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, gets there, and it's it's five past the hour. It's five past eleven. The doors are shut, and the people are inside singing the hymns. So we've literally gone up to the door and burst open the door, and then just inched it open a little bit and looked in. Amanda's saying, I can't see anyone, I can't see anyone. You probably <laughs> not here. I'm going, you are, they've got to be, got to be. So, you know, looking around, and eventually this woman, who obviously, I don't know if she's a volunteer or part of the church group, but she she gets up, comes out to us, and shuts the door behind us, so we're not disturbing the rest of the congregation in full song. Then she said, you know, can I help? And I said, yeah, we're here for a christening. And she said, no christening here. <laughs> this is are you sure? You know, four boys? <laughs> no, not one. Uh, oh, you know, uh, doing everything we can to not swear in front of the uh, church goers. <laughs> uh, saying, no, no, we must be, must be at the wrong church. So digging out the address and the postcode. And she goes, no, you're at the right church. And she says, oh, it says there, look, um, 11, 11 o'clock. I says, yeah. <laughs> I'd put the clocks forward a week early. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> we were actually uh, fifty-five minutes early, not five minutes late. <laughs> oh wow! As a commander, I mean, she turns around to me, she says, "I'm going to kill you." <laughs> and this church woman looked quite shocked. You know, not Christian. <laughs> and, um, yeah, well, well, what it was, um, I can remember. Um, on Facebook, some of the uh, some of my American friends were moaning about daylight saving time, and somebody yeah, yeah. had posted, "Don't worry, it's ours next week." So the following weekend, I'm saying, "Yeah, the clocks go forward." Clocks, I told everyone, "Clocks go forward." And I went to people, "Clocks <laughs> forward by an hour." <laughs> Everyone's else gave it, "Yeah, yeah, they are." Yeah, yeah. Worse, I was late for work this morning because I forgot to put my clocks forward. Again. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Me, on the other hand, I've had, um, well, it's been quite expensive, to be honest. I um, Since Christmas, I've been really good, um, and I haven't really been spending any money. I then failed. Uh, <laughs> went to, I don't know, Anthony, you've not got rock band or guitar hero or anything like that, have you? No, I'm more sing star, and she's into just dance. Oh, oh yeah, the Michael Jackson one, I seem to remember you saying. Whoa, well, daughter got that the other day, Michael <laughs> Jackson, just dance, um... Unfortunately, shutting the door means you can still bloody hear it. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, I've um, the only reason I fire up the Wii is to play Guitar Hero because we we've got two guitars with that. But um, from listening to other podcasts like um, Midlife Gamer, for example, it gives you a rundown of all the DLC, so all the songs that you can go and download. And I keep hearing them. I'm thinking, oh, oh, I could do with that. Oh, I, could, I bet that's really good as well. And I thought, well, I know the Wii's kind of capable of it, but not really. And I thought, I thought, right, well, I'll just go and I'll go and get one of these. You know, you can get like a band in a box pack where it comes with the drums and it comes with the guitar and the microphone and stuff like that. I thought, right, well, I'll go and get one of them. Not a singer uh, and a drummer. 
<laughs> no, they don't all come in the box. Not the whole band in the box, right? Just the instruments. Just the instruments, yeah. Right. Um, so when I got one of those, um, uh, so I did my normal spend an hour, look around online, find it really cheap, and then decide that I need it now and then go pay <laughs> quite a more expensive price. Um, so we sh- we couldn't find one locally here, so we ended up going over to Leicester because uh, uh, there's a Tesco's Extra over in Leicester. And this thing is the size of a town. It's just huge. <laughs> and I know oh, that they're in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, this Tesco store... Um, so anyway, we went in there and, and yeah, sure enough, they had the Guitar Hero and stuff. So we bought that. And just where I was, I was something caught my eye. I've been after a new camera for a while now. And I've been nine this one up online. And basically the new version's come out, so this one's dropping down in price. And I just happened to walk past it and I saw it on the shelf. I'm like, hang on a second, that's like 50 quid cheaper than it is online. <laughs> so I ended up... I went over there to get um, just Guitar Hero and ended up walking out spending nearly 300 quid walking out with the bloody camera as well. Damn. So anyway, so that was expensive. And then we've spent the last couple of weekends just playing on that. And to be honest, it's really good. Unfortunately, I mean, I, I always play on the guitar. And then the drum kit is pretty awesome. Assuming you've got somebody playing it who's got some rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, my other half not going to listen to this. But the thing is... Uh, I'm going to... Well, the thing is, I mean, if you're playing guitar here or anything, you go into the rhythm and you're like tapping your phone, it's like, right, songs, duh, 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 there's all the notes. But when you got somebody sat next to you giving it tap, 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 <laughs> tap, 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 <laughs> it was like, have you ever seen um, the film The Jerk? <laughs> you know where he's trying to get his rhythm and his. T- <laughs> That's exactly what it's like. So I'm, I'm trying to like drowned her out and just like right. I can't yeah, but hear the that, thing is, right from <laughs> from what I've known of your missus, I'm, yeah. I'm guessing that she just wasn't that bothered anyway. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just trying to keep you going. <sighs> if I must, you know. <laughs> no, she. <laughs> um, no, hats off to her. She's been enjoying it. I haven't had a chance to play on the drums yet because uh, she always. Nicks them and plays them. Um, <laughs> maybe it's just a ploy. Maybe it's just like you'll stop playing it sooner or later. <laughs> well, they're on about bringing it out with uh, proper instruments now. Yeah, right? that you so just plug actually, in. Instead of playing a controller, um, you're actually going to be, it will be teaching you to play the guitar. Yeah. Have you, which well, just strikes me as a good idea. Yeah, well, the step just before that is the later rock band stuff where it comes with, um, you can get like a little keyboard for it and also the pro guitar, which has, basically, you, you put your finger in the chords yeah, and do that. So that's the that's the stage right now. And then, yeah, as you said, the, the next evolution out there will be you actually plug. I mean, the thing is, um, the drum kit at the moment is behind the sofa. <laughs> if you've got a full <laughs> drum kit set up in your front room, that's going to take a little bit more setting up. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, so we've been playing that, which has been pretty awesome. I also, uh, as you're probably aware, I, I think I've spoke about it before that I, I use Love Films. Yes. And what I've got on there, I've got a, a game. You, you can split the stuff that you're you're renting into a number of lists, and I, I've just got two. I've got one for films and and one for games. So what I do is, instead of going out and, and forking out for a game, because basically I, I buy a lot of games. I'll get about halfway through, I'll get bored, and then. I'll, they'll just sit on the shelf and I just won't get around to completing them. So I thought, right, well, if I get a load from Love Films and I can get them, I can play them for a little while, see if I like them, and then if I do, I'll, 
I know to either then go out and buy them or just sit there and complete the game. The game I've been playing like for the last week has been Darksiders, which is kind of um, it's it's a hack and slash. It's um, I heard a term this week and I think it best relates this for uh, this game and it's press X to win. <laughs> and, and that's exactly what this is. Just keep brain the X button and that's your combat moves. That's everything. And, and that's what it's like for the majority of the game. But I got to a certain point where, um, because I was absolutely breezing through, I didn't bother upgrading anything, and I got to a point where I just got... Basically, I spent three hours on the exact same bit, going over it and over it and over it, and I just kept dying. So I did um, kind of a girly rage quit. Um, rage quitting is basically turning the game off in disgust, you know, if, you, if you're stuck. Well, I, I took it one slight step further. I stopped the game very calmly. I ejected the disc. I put it back in its envelope. I then left the house, walked to the post box, and posted it. I thought, I am not continuing that game anymore. <laughs> um, so until you get home, you think, oh, actually, you do. <laughs> to be honest, that I'm already thinking that. I'm thinking, well... I was, I did get halfway through it, and <laughs> <laughs> but to be honest, I mean, Dark Side is about five an hour, so I, if 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 needs must, I'll go and buy it later. I'll just rent it again. Yeah. Well, yeah, I could drop it back on the rental list, I guess. But Christina, as um, as you know, we're both Mac users, and as many arguments as you can have, the Mac's not a gaming machine, and it, it was never intended to be. We, we got the Macs to then use the consoles as as the game machines. Um, unfortunately, Christine plays a lot of games, and she's bored of Warcraft, which is a nightmare for me, because <laughs> <laughs> I can't just leave her up there playing Warcraft anymore. So I thought, right, well, okay, so the Mac App Store, everything's loads of games on there, so it's like, right, okay, well, let's get you some of those. And she's got through about 100 quids worth already. Yeah. Uh, just piping money to the Mac App Store and downloading them, completing them in a day and all the rest of it. I, th- I said to her, I said, right, well, what you need to do then? I says, you need to start playing on the consoles. I says, there's hundreds of games out there. And, well, thousands. I says, there'll be something that's your fancy. She's like, well... So, uh, it's a birthday next month, so I bought her an Xbox for her birthday. <laughs> the thing, thing that really made me laugh, she... She got it, she plugged it in, she she replaced one of the monitors with um, a TV so she could run it and everything. The games she'd been playing on a Mac are uh, stuff like Defense Grid and uh, Plants vs. Zombies and everything like that. She gets, the, she gets the Xbox, plugs it all in, first game she fires up, Plants vs. Zombies. <laughs> I'm like, hang on, <laughs> something's gone wrong here. <laughs> so we just spent, uh, well, including the telly and that, it was nearly 500 quid on buying all that and tearing it all up to play the same game she already had. <laughs> Which was, hmm. uh, and just finally, um, iPad Two Mania. I was very tempted uh, because I had Friday off to go and stand outside the store for like five hours so I could get an iPad Two. But no, woke up at eight o'clock in the morning, thought, nope, I'll be sensible. I'll just order it online. Um, I was then watching like Facebook and Twitter and everything like that. People are queuing up round. I mean, the normal store I go to is the Leicester one because that's probably the closest to me. A guy I used to work with is actually in the queue. He turned up at two o'clock and it already had about 100 people in front of him all queuing outside the Apple store. It was just like, that's mental. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just shocked how well these things are. All, all I can say is Apple have got some very, very good marketing and it just makes people need their items. Because um, to be honest, uh, when I, I ordered it online and, and you couldn't go and buy one anywhere until five o'clock, 
by about four o'clock, I was starting to get twitchy, thinking, well, shall I just go to the store? Shall I just see what if curries have got any or Argos? Or? And then spend all Saturday morning looking around, thinking, I wonder if anybody's got these in stock now, maybe. <laughs> but no, no. Um, mine's unfortunately not turning off up until the 25th of April now, though. Ooh. I know, which I'm slightly good about. Don't know your coat. <laughs> oh no and then just finally um, if I sound a bit nasally it's um, I, I had quite a bad strain of man flu um, I just felt really bunged up and I felt like I was dying for a couple of days but have you ever got uh, rid of this man flu it's <laughs> every podcast just before Christmas <laughs> no well this wasn't too bad this, this lasted about three days but it's like I've got custard stuck down my nose <laughs> sorry it's not a very nice picture that but um that's it just feels awful I, I feel like I could just do with like lifting my head off and just pulling out all the snot and just having done with it I'm sick of it but anyway <laughs> that's not what you need to know <laughs> this week's podcast of the week is stuff you should know um over to you Anthony yeah uh, another one from me this time yeah. Um, Stuff You Should Know podcast um, comes from the uh, website HowStuffWorks.com. Yeah. Uh, I believe there's a TV show in America, but I'm not sure on How okay. Stuff Works. I know there's quite extensive blogs and what have you. Um, the site description reads, Why Can't Robots Get Married? Are Exorcisms Real? Listen okay. in as the stuff you should know takes a look at astonishing facts from across the globe in this podcast from Josh Clark and Chuck Bryant. Cool. Uh, basically, it's um, uh, it's like it says. It's just astonishing facts. It's interesting things. They take a topic and they'll discuss it and look into it and tell you everything you need to know about it. So they've done episodes on like blood spatter, where obviously they mentioned Dexter and the job Dexter does, and yeah, yeah. they talk about the different sorts of spatter, the science behind it, um, right down to the equipment that um, you know blood blood spatter experts uh, carry with them, the cameras they use. Um, yeah, I mean it sounds kind of boring, but it isn't. There's a good banter between them. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, they did an episode more recently on nuclear meltdown, which was done after the. Um, the tsunami hit uh, Japan, uh, which was obviously right. Now the biggest threat they've got is this nuclear meltdown. This is what happens during a nuclear meltdown. It goes into all the science of it, you know, what causes it, um, how to avoid it, so on and so forth. Um, yeah. They've done episodes on fossils. Um, they did an episode on mummies. I've, I've written Egyptian mummies on the show notes, but it wasn't just Egyptian mummies. It's different mummies from around the world, different yeah. techniques, how they did it. Um, you know, sometimes they go into some gross stuff, but it, it, it is safe to play in front of children, you know, in front of your kids. It is okay. quite scientific, and they do skirt around anything that's too gross. Uh, yeah. They did an episode that looked at the mafia and explained, the, you know, what is fact, what is fiction behind the mafia, what, you know, what is false from the movies, the sort of things mm. that... Um, you know, uh, fallacies, what's actually true, uh, right down to an episode they did on Scooby-Doo, which sounds, yeah, this is just it, it sounds daft, but it was actually a really good episode because, you know, it explained that um, they went into the actual animation of Scooby-Doo, how it was a very basic animation that, um, you know, the back the background was um, a constant, and so you'd, 
it was all about animating as little as possible, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so um, they was able to produce it a lot cheaper, a lot quicker, and financially it was better. Um, it it goes into the actual um, the ideas that um, Shaggy and Scooby Doo, uh, you know, supposed to be uh, dopeheads, and they look into the truths behind that. Um, yeah, just yeah. yeah, just really interesting. Some are more science based than others. Some are more light hearted. Um, there's a good banter between the hosts, and it's it's a very it's an interesting podcast. It's entertaining, it's educational, and it's an interesting listen to. Um, available on iTunes uh, if you just search for stuff you should know. Um, you can download it from um, science.howstuffworks.com. And if you look on there, I'm sure there's a there's a link there to various podcasts that come from this. Uh, uh, from this website, and it's the How Stuff Works one that you want. Yeah. Uh, sorry, the uh, stuff you should know is the one that you want. Uh, so yeah, that's that's my recommendation. That's one that uh, at a time when I can't really afford to be lengthening my podcast subscription list, somebody's introduced me to it, and I can't stop listening to now. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, that's it for this week. Those of you going to Dimension Jump, have a fantastic time. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks' time with Back to the Earth Part 2. If you want to come find us on the forum, it's reddwarforum.com. If you want to find us on Twitter, it's twitter.com forward slash reddwarforum. If you want to send us an email, it's scuttercast at reddwarforum.com. And finally, if you want to find us on Facebook, it's under the main name, which is Fiction Shed. So, facebook.com forward slash Fiction Shed. Okay, we'll see you in two weeks. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye.